We are in a series and getting fairly close to the end of it. Uh, it's a little undefined as we uh, plot along, uh, but it's a series that's focused on our relationship with work, our relationship with work in our workplaces, as well as just all the ways that we exert ourselves and give ourselves in life. And as a part of that series, one of the things that we're doing is we are showing different videos that highlight some of your places of work and how you see your faith and your work overlapping. And the hope and the goal of that is that those inspire each of us and help each of us to see in our different places how God might be wanting to show up in our places of work uh, that we didn't see before. So I invite you to take a look at this week's video. I promise you in this job that if, if you, uh, this mayor thing, if you get to the point where you're feeling high and mighty, it doesn't take very long for you to get your knees cut, you know, cut out from underneath you. When I try to make my decisions and as I try to lead our, our community, I really am not thinking about um, will this decision give me a better chance of being reelected. I think if I ever get to that point, then um, Bailey, you need to come get me and tell me I need to go do something else. What are the most critical issues facing Lubbock in the future? I wouldn't call it a burden, but I certainly carry this understanding that um, my job is to be out front and my job is to um, lead in a way that um, where I represent everybody. It is every body that calls Lubbock home. That's who I was elected to serve. That's my charge and that's, the, that's what I get up in the morning to do. And I see God in uh, pretty much everything I do. I see God in the, the face of our citizens. It's hard to, for me to separate um, God from what I do every day. Yeah, I get, this, I get to work with these people who they serve before they do anything else. And, and you know, even though they don't, may not carry their Bible with them in all they do, um, you know, they're walking this uh, very much this disciples kind of uh, path. However, State on us. I nearly always say a quick brief prayer on my way down the escalator to a, to a council meeting. In fact, I do. I just, just close my eyes and just, you know, pray for patience. Amen. Mayor Pope was here in our 930 service. I gave a little nod and shout out to him. Usually he comes to our 11 o'clock, but uh, today he showed up at our, our 930. I love getting these stories of, of different people among our worshiping community because it helps me and hopefully you just to see how God's using a lot of different people in different ways. People with different gifts and graces, people with different backgrounds, people uh, different skills, uh, different phases of life. And God is wanting to use us, uh, whether you're a, a student or whether you're retired, whether you're somewhere in between, uh, God wants to use you and he's raising you up for something. And so our job is to discover that and to try to live that out to the best of our ability and to see that our work is not just a, something we do because we have to, but that's part of living out God's calling in our lives. Now, most of this series 
Uh, we've been looking back in the story of the Bible, back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, you have quite a few notes already for you in your bulletin in the sermon notes section. Uh, I've decided to just go ahead and write as much of that in there as possible. So if you need a review or refresher, you can consult that. But for the most part, we have been looking back at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and 3 to find kind of the origin of where work comes from. And we see that God has been working from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. God is doing work. And then he creates humans and he gives that work to us. Uh, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Another way of saying that is let them reign. So God made us in his image and what it means to be made in the image of God is that we are called to reign or to oversee uh, as God reigns and oversees. And so we are uh, in between God and creation. I'll say more about that uh, here in a little bit. But to work is, is a vital and essential part of what it means to be a human being. It's essential to who we are. So we've seen kind of the creation of where we've come from and where that starts. Today we're going to turn and look forward to where we're going. What is the end to which our work is pointed toward. Why do you work? Do you work because if you don't work, you're going to get kicked out of your house? Well, that's not a bad reason, right? If you don't work, will someone come take your kids away from you? That's not a bad reason. Um, if we don't work enough, will our kids have to take care of us because we run out of money before uh, while we lived in the nursing home when we were 97 years old? Those are also decent reasons to work. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. But is that it? Is that the only reason we work is so we can survive, so that we can exist? Is there something bigger to our work? Well, today we're going to look forward to that vision of the future. So we've looked at the first book of the Bible. Today we're going to look at the very last book. If that doesn't cover our bases, I don't know what does. Uh, Jeanette read it earlier, but I want to just reread it. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 1, it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, it says, On each side, either side of the river, is the tree of life. It's that same tree of life we saw in Genesis chapter 2. It is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. It says nothing accursed will be found there anymore. Remember we talked about in Genesis chapter 3 that the ground was cursed? Well, here's a place where nothing accursed is anymore. It says, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no lamp light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever toward the end of this scripture here it says the servants of God do two things in the final vision of of the Bible the servants do two things the first thing the servants do is it says they will reign forever and ever the servants of God in the final vision have some form of reign some form of dominion it's the same kind of reign and dominion that was Planted in Genesis chapter 1. So God created us in the beginning to have dominion or to reign. And the final vision is about reigning as well. 
What's the second thing that the servants do? It says, his servants will worship him. The servants will worship. So the two actions that the servants are called to do are to reign and to worship. This is really the dual vocation of what God intended us to be as human beings. We are to reign and we are to worship. We are to be rulers and we are to be priests. Rulers are about tending to the things that are underneath us in this world, the creation that God gave to us, the way we relate to one another, the way we relate to our work. And being a priest is about worship. We are rulers and priests. And these two go together. As we worship God, that's our priestly calling, is to worship God. That gives us the right way to rule. And as we rule, we do it in such a way that our work gives glory to God. These are inseparable from one another. You are called to be a ruler and a priest, all right? We're going to indoctrinate you here, okay? I am called to be a ruler and a priest. Are y'all ready to say that with me? One, two, three. I am called to be a ruler and a priest. Now, that might be a stretch for some of you, and that's okay. We can kind of put that on and see if it fits. Try it on like you try on uh, clothes. But this is really the human vocation. We are all in middle management, every single one of us. In the kingdom of God, nobody is self-employed. In the kingdom of God, we all bow down. We all work for someone greater than ourselves. We have an authority that uh, we are to respect and obey, and that authority is God through Jesus Christ. And in the kingdom of God, we all have something entrusted unto us. If you're a parent, fathers, your children have been entrusted unto you. That's a great work. And we know it, don't we, dads? It feels great in the sense of big. Sometimes it actually feels great. Sometimes it's just hard. But that's a good work, isn't it? And whatever you do, whatever is, is out there, hopefully part of that is the way God made you to be as we are in this uh, position between God and the rest of creation. Now, just in case you think this Revelation 22 ruler priest thing is like a, a one-off, that there's nothing else, I want to just quote, just, just blitz you with a few more scriptures from Revelation. Revelation 1.6, it says, God made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. Revelation 3.21, to the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne. I will share my throne with him, just as I myself have conquered and sat down with the Father on his throne. Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Priest and reigning, right there in the same verse. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with Him a thousand years. This double vocation of priests and rulers will never end. It is who we are, and it is who we always are will be. That's who God made us to be, and God is still working on that in our lives. Now, what all this means is when we look at this Revelation 22 vision, it means we have to do some theological adjusting, and there's going to be gaps. You're going to have to fill those gaps in as you travel down the road a lot, but I want to try to set a little bit of a trajectory for you today. 
First of all, there is um, this way that we think about the future and the future life and the final vision that needs to be filled in. We tend to think of heaven as a place that we go when we die and that that's the final place. But that's not, according to the Bible, what the final place is. Yes, Jesus is being crucified on the cross. He looks over to one of the guys on his right and his left. He says, today you will be with me in paradise, which means, you know, this very day you're going to be with Jesus, whatever that means. However, there is a final vision. And in that final vision, heaven will be united with earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this new Jerusalem will come out of heaven. And there will be a resurrection. Just as Jesus was resurrected in this very world, in time and in space, there will be a resurrection of all people. This means that those who have gone before us are not yet in their final resting place. That the whole goal of this creation in this world isn't just to get out of here and get out of this place before it burns down and go to heaven when we die, but that heaven is going to come to earth. That God cares about this creation so much that he's going to renew it. That's how much God cares about this world that he made. That's how much he cares about you and me. And so we await the return of Jesus and the renewal of heaven and earth. So when you think of heaven or when you think of the future, don't just think of disembodied existence. Think of Jesus coming, returning to this earth and, and a whole new creation. What that means, what that means is there's continuity between the world you live in right now and that new world. There's continuity. The first sign of that continuity is the resurrected body of Jesus. We say in the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Meaning we believe, first of all, that Jesus was raised from the dead and that his real living body appeared and that they touched the scars in that body. What that means is that's the same body that got crucified in some way. There's a little bit of continuity between Jesus' uh, body before he was crucified and his resurrected body. That's the same body of Jesus that will return someday and that we will be with in the new creation. And that means you will get to give Jesus a fist bump, a high five, skin on skin, a big old bear hug. Don't you just want to go up to Jesus and like pick him up and hug him? That's a guy thing, isn't it? I'm looking forward to that. If you have no hope of anything else in your life, hope in that. Hope that someday you're going to get to give Jesus a big hug. Okay? Bodily hug. Okay? We believe in resurrection of the body. That's what that's going to be like. There's all kinds of other hints in scriptures, though, about this continuity between the world we're living in now and that new world of heaven and earth that we will inherit. There's talk about storing up treasures in heaven. There's talk about the, the greatest or the least in the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about how what we do in the body that we will receive what is due for us. Romans 2, 6 says that he will render to each one according to his works. 1 Peter 1.17 says, If you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. The things we do in this world matter to the next world. 
Colossians 3.25, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. What we do matters. Now, I'm a good Protestant. I'm a good Reformed in the, in the Reformation tradition here. I believe that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that it is through placing our faith and trust in Christ that we inherit this new earth, that it's only by God's grace. But the Scriptures continually hint at how our works play a role in what that inheritance will look like. There's some kind of continuity between what we're doing in our work today and the next life. It's not just, well, I can do whatever I want to because I'm saved by the grace of God, so it don't matter what I do. I can exploit the world and the earth and other people and just take advantage of people no matter what because I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm going to get out of here and escape. No, that's not what the Bible says. There's continuity. What we do matters. In the new heavens and the earth, believe it or not, we won't just be sitting around hanging out. It's not just on the beach with your corona, chilling out without any pesky children, right? Or annoying other people. That's not heaven. That's not the ultimate vision here. The world's, in my opinion, the world's leading scholar, biblical scholar, a man by the name of N.T. Wright says this. He says, in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be new vocations. There will be new tasks it is the ultimate fulfillment of those given to human or Adam, human, in the first place. What that means is, whatever was given to humanity in Genesis chapter 1 gets fulfilled in Revelation 22, in that final vision. It's not just, hey, let's just do a little work here, get it over with, and then this whole place is going to explode. That's not, the, that's not the vision. There's a renewal here. Today is Father's Day, so I'm going to indulge myself a little bit. I got a picture I want to show you. This is a picture of my father and my oldest son, Dayton. And uh, Dayton got to go up to my hometown of Groover, Texas, up in Hansford County, uh, God's country in the northern panhandle of Texas. And uh, they got to brand, he got to help my dad brand cattle. And so this is my father showing Dayton, it appears at least to be him showing Dayton how to uh, work the shots and how to give the shots to the calves. And so they got the brand, and that's Dayton on the left there, my dad doing the branding on the right. So there's work being done, right? And I was thinking about how up there in the farming and ranching world up in the north of the Panhandle, uh, we have a couple of sections of land. And we call those sections of land 211 and 203. And those are simply the numbers of sections that someone arbitrarily plotted out and said, hey, this square mile of land, we're going to number it. And then eight miles south of there, you're going to number another plot of land. And so creatively, we called it 211 and 203. And I'm thinking there's, there's work that's been done on that land. And there's work that will be done on that land. It, it, it makes me explore the possibilities of what, what does that look like in the new heaven and the new earth? Will someone be farming that land someday? When Jesus returns. Now, I'm getting very speculative here, okay? But if we don't use our imaginations, then we'll never get anywhere in this direction. We'll never be able to connect the work we do now with the work that gets done in the new heavens and the new earth. Those new vocations that N.T. Wright is talking about. So what are you doing in your life right now that might be something that has continuity 
in that world? What is it in your work that you think might get into that world? What we do in this life, what we do in this world matters. And so do it all to the glory of God. What that means is we have to be paying attention to what we're doing. We have to put a high value on the world that God has given us. We have to pay attention individually. We have to pay attention corporately. We have to pay attention globally. We need to be paying attention to ecology, economics, agriculture, education, medicine, law, politics, business and commerce, finance, raising children, and whatever else I have for guidance. You fill in the blank. Pay attention to how is it that these things fit within the story of God. Now, there are a lot of stories, and they're very dominant out there in the world today, that will try to get you to fit these things in their stories. There might be a Republican story. There might be a Democrat story. There's a Fox News story. There's an MSNBC story. Am I tracking? And these groups of people are trying to tell you, this is how you got to frame this stuff. Whatever they're saying, the greatest story is the story of God. And if we're watching the news more than we're praying and reading our Bibles, we might have our priorities backwards. I'm not saying don't watch the news. Don't read what's going on. we got to know what's going on in the world. But don't give up on the big story that we're called to live in as a people of faith who truly do believe in Jesus' renewal of heaven and earth. So frame your work. Frame the dimensions of your work. Not just looking back, but looking forward. What might God want to do with your work today? How might He take our lives as rulers and as priests and use them in the new world? Let us pray.